When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, this is Dan Lobby. And this is Mary Kay Cabot. And this is the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. And Mary Kay, we are going to talk quarterbacks today. Baker Mayfield and Tyrod Taylor. And what we're going to talk about is the Browns quarterback plan moving forward and kind of how we think this should this should play out over the next few months. And look, I said Baker Mayfield's name first before Tyrod Taylor. So that's what Hugh Jackson is going to have to fight against uh, as he moves forward. So let's get into this quarterback plan. They traded for Tyrod Taylor. And and that's the starting point. Hugh Jackson has stood by him as his starting quarterback going into spring. Do you believe this is going to last all the way through into the season? It seems like it's going to, uh, but is Hugh going to be able to fight that? Well, it's it's going to be a lot because just in the same way that Johnny Manziel was, Baker Mayfield will be like a rolling ball of thunder. It's, you know, (laughs) he's going to blow into town. It's going to be big. He's going to be larger than life in some ways in the same way that Johnny was because uh, you know, he's got the same sort of cult following, comes in with the Heisman Trophy, all those sorts of things, the reputation, uh, number one overall pick. So I think it is going to be difficult to manage. Now, fortunately, there are some people in the building that have been through this before, yeah. um, but Hugh Jackson hasn't been through it before. So it, it there will be some new things for him. Uh, I would think those things would include training camp fans and uh, what their expectations are. <laughs> Uh, media expectations, national media coming into town. You know, a number one pick, you know, sometimes it does. It takes on a life of its own. And you really do have to try to manage it. So I think that's the first thing is to try to rein in all the hype and the hoopla as much as they can. Yeah, and it it is going to be hard. I mean, you mentioned training camp. People are going to see this guy play. They're all going to be wearing their number six jerseys. Um, It's going to be tough to watch him and then realize you might not get to see him actually play a real game for a few weeks. If he looks really good in the preseason, um, that could cause problems. Let's go back in time a little bit, though. Let's go back to this time a year ago when Cody Kessler was the starting quarterback. Uh, Deshaun Kaiser really wasn't on the radar as potentially starting yet, but then as training camp got rolling, started to kind of sniff a little bit that maybe Hugh Jackson won't want to go with Deshaun Kaiser. Is this similar? Are Deshaun Kaiser and Baker Mayfield similar in that sense, or is that just a completely different scenario? It's a completely different scenario because they traded a number three overall pick for Tyrod Taylor, and they did that because they are serious about starting him this year. They would not have given up that high of a pick and brought someone in of his caliber if they really didn't intend to start him this year. And again, it's going to be very difficult to hold off that rookie because Baker Mayfield has never taken no for an answer. He's walked on twice and won the starting job. He's come out of nowhere. He's got so much confidence. It's just unbelievable. 
ball. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's got a ton of swagger and confidence, and it's going to be very, very difficult. And Tyrod Taylor, he's going to have to learn to hold his ground. And I asked him that. Do you remember? Uh, you know, I, I, I said, do you really even think that you can handle the you know the Baker Mayfield mania that is going to blow into town? We've all seen it before. <laughs> uh, I don't think that you know people that haven't experienced it don't really realize uh, you know what hit them, and and I think it's going to be a lot. Yeah, I mean, this isn't Nathan Peterman coming into town. This is Baker Mayfield, who is a favorite of so many people. Um, You know, the other thing with with Kaiser is he was really raw. You know, I mean, we all kind of knew coming out of college there were flaws there. He dropped into the second round. Um, You mentioned it. The quarterback room was so different last year. I mean, listen, the number 65 overall pick is not, you know, that's not chump change. They gave up a really valuable pick. Um, to get Tyrod Taylor, and you didn't do that to sit him on the bench necessarily. So uh, it's different in that sense. And the other way it's different is Baker Baker Mayfield is just ready. Like Baker Mayfield could step in and start if they wanted him to. It's it's just that they don't want him to. He was probably the most ready quarterback him or Josh Rosen in this draft class? Well, he has the most starting experience, and I think that's key. He's seen a lot of football. He has started 48 games uh, when you combine Texas Tech and Oklahoma. That's a lot of football games. That's twice as many football games as Sam Darnold has started, and it's twice as many as Deshaun Kaiser has started, and it's way more than Mitch Trubisky had (laughs) even started. So this young man has played a lot of football, Dan, and you're right. That's why it's going to look different. uh, the other one of the other reasons why it will look different is because if you remember last year, you know Brock Osweiler was the veteran. Yeah. Well, Hugh, Hugh Jackson did not want to start Brock Osweiler at all, so he was looking for Deshaun Kaiser to come and rescue him and save him. Whereas this year they're going into it really wanting Tyrod to start committing to it and knowing that he's the guy. Now, here's why this is a topic of conversation, because I'm sure there's people out there who are listening who are pulling their hair out saying, well, you guys are just trying to start a quarterback competition. Well, the reason it's a topic is because you've got to look at past number one picks, right, and past highly drafted quarterbacks. So let's start with Carson Wentz, right? The number two overall pick was not supposed to start until, what, five days before the season, maybe seven days, whatever it was. Philadelphia got an offer for Sam Bradford that they couldn't say no to. Well, now Carson Wentz is your starter. Deshaun Watson was not supposed to start last year. Took about two weeks and he was in. Um, So these things happen. Uh, Pat Mahomes is an exception. Yes. Alex Smith was an established quarterback, was winning. They were a playoff team. It's really an exception for a guy to not play early when he's picked that highly. It really, really is. Now let's go back to Carson Wentz for a minute. Uh, One of the differences between Carson Wentz and Baker Mayfield is the fact that Carson Wentz came out of a pro-style offense. So he already knew how to play under center. He already had the footwork down. He already had uh, all the things that go into playing pro-style ball. And, And Baker Mayfield... Is coming out of the air raid, the air raid offense. It's very, very different. He played in that very deep shotgun. Uh, you know, he did not get hit a ton. Uh, he had a lot of time to throw the football, mm-hmm. and it was just a very, very different way to do things. And we saw during rookie minicamp that he's learning to play under center. Not that it's complete rocket science for somebody that's as smart as he is, as agile as he is, as quick as he is, and with the kind of arm that he has. But it is different. Things close up very quickly yeah. <laughs> when you're that close to the line of scrimmage. 
as compared to what he's used to. And Carson uh, Wentz did not have to go through that. So uh, I think that, you know, training camp can be fool's gold. You have to be so careful what you're seeing in training camp because, I mean, anybody can stand back there, and not anybody, but a, a lot of guys can stand back there and throw the football when you don't have, you know, 300-pound or 275-pound men bearing down on you very, very quickly. And, uh, you know, so I, I think those are some of the differences. Yeah, and then kind of along those lines, how many times in training camp do we watch a play where it's a sack, but because the quarterback's wearing the red jersey, he gets away, throws the ball 50 yards down the field, it's a touchdown, and the crowd just erupts. So you're right. I mean, training camp is just completely different. Even preseason is different because you don't get a lot thrown at you. You're not going to face these exotic blitzes. You're you're not facing a bunch of starters, um, at least for very long. So it's going to get be hard to get a read on this entire competition. What Tyrod Taylor needs to do is just come in and just show that he can run the offense, mm-hmm. show that he can be the leader, show that he has the locker room, and maybe score a couple touchdowns in the preseason. Yeah, the interesting thing about this offense, a lot of times when you look around and you see successful offenses, they've been together for a while, they know each other, they've got some timing down and those sorts of things. Now, we've seen that Tyrod Taylor has organized some off-season workouts. So he's trying to get timing down uh, you know, out you know, in different places with Jarvis Landry and Josh Gordon and those kind of guys. But this is a bunch of new guys coming together on offense and trying to, uh, to play in harmony and, and make beautiful music when they don't know each other yet. And furthermore, even the people that were here before are completely learning a new terminology mm-hmm. in Todd Haley's offense. So now we've seen before, you know, Rob Chazinski came in with a completely new system and it looked very ragged in training camp. And then they went out and they performed very well that year when he was offensive coordinator and went... 10 and 6 that year, I think it was that season. Um, So it can come together, but I think the thing to remember is that everyone is going to be very, very new in this offense, and they're all going to be kind of learning on the fly. And and the good news for both quarterbacks, but really for Taylor too, is um, he's got some weapons. I'm actually pulling up the bills from last season because – that's not a team that has had a ton of weapons uh, outside of, you know, in, in the running game. And they had Sammy Watkins for a little while last year, but but they ended up trading him. Um, he hasn't had guys. I mean, I'm looking at their leading receivers right now. Uh, so you've got Charles Clay, a tight end. You've got Shady McCoy. That was your big weapon. Deontay Thompson, Nick O'Leary. I, I mean, Zay Jones was a rookie last year. They traded for Kelvin Benjamin. These are not... These are not names that you really build an offense around. You know, Tyrod Taylor is going to have Josh Gordon and mm-hmm. Jarvis Landry and hopefully a rejuvenated Corey Coleman. You know, maybe Antonio Callaway can contribute. He's going to have, you know, the, a running game, maybe not as good as he had in Buffalo, but he's got guys that can run the football. Duke Johnson, yeah. David Njoku as well. So yes. he's going to have some weapons to work with. Like he didn't necessarily have in Buffalo outside of Shady. Yeah, I mean, if he can get the ball to those guys – Uh, He definitely has some weapons. And I think the key with Tyrod, and I think this is another thing that Hugh Jackson really likes, he doesn't turn the ball over. Now, that can be good and bad. Cody Kessler didn't turn the ball over either, (laughs) but he got benched a couple of times because he refused to throw deep or throw over the middle or take some chances. So Tyrod probably has a little bit of that in him where he's not going to take the chances that, that Hugh Jackson, and to a certain extent, to a large extent, that Todd Haley might want him to make. Um, but he doesn't turn the ball over, and by virtue of not turning the ball over, 
they should be able to win some football games this year because they lost the turnover battle in a huge way every week last year on both sides of the ball. Yeah. Taylor had fewer interceptions in his three years as a starter than the Browns threw yep. all last year among all their quarterbacks. Yes. So that, that'll that be a big upgrade. Now that talent argument could be flipped on its head and you could say, well, listen, that's perfect to stick a rookie into. So, I mean, you know, really, well, Tyrod Taylor should absolutely be the starter week one. Yeah. I think it's safe enough to say that right now. I don't think the Browns can go wrong in this situation, even if they did end up. I mean, let's say they get a, a Sam Bradford type of deal for Tyrod. Maybe they, let's say somebody, a quarterback gets hurt and somebody offers them a second round pick, you know, a contender. So it wouldn't be maybe a, a real high second round pick. Right. Let's say somebody throws that offer at them for Tyrod Taylor. That, that might be worth considering if Baker Mayfield shows he's ready. Yeah, you know what? I still, I am buying into the whole. We want Tyrod Taylor to start as many games as possible this season. I'm buying into it. Now, again, things can change on a dime. I do think that Hugh Jackson is going to fall madly in love with Baker Mayfield (laughs) throughout OTAs, minicamp, and training camp. He's going to fall in love with it. We've seen him fall in love with guys before, especially when when they show some extraordinary physical and mental skills. And especially if the offense isn't going like he wants it to go. Exactly. So, and he does have, he has a a strong arm, Baker Mayfield Mm -hmm. does. Uh, This is not a Johnny Manziel arm. You know, that's one place where uh, he is head and shoulders above Johnny Manziel. So I do think that Hugh Jackson is going to become enamored with Baker Mayfield. And every single day that he sees him, he's going to fall a little bit more in love and a little bit more in love. And he's got such such an engaging personality (laughs) that he kind of draws you in. He is sort of Pied Piper-like. Um, in the, I think Johnny was like that too, but, uh, they're very charismatic and it's hard not to like them. And I think that, uh, you know, that Hugh Jackson, if he really wants to stay committed to this, he's going to have to like put a little reminder card in his wallet or something every day where he says, I am starting Tyrod Taylor (laughs) and Baker Mayfield is not getting on this field until whatever week 11. Yeah. They're going to have to like take the depth chart away from you, Jackson. John Dorsey's just going to have to keep it somewhere hidden away. This is, this is what we're doing. You're not allowed to change this. Um, You know, the other area where really Baker kind of stands out is he's going to come in and it seems like he's going to do the work he needs to do. Yes. You know, that was always Johnny's problem, right? Right. The team would come in, they're not allowed to have practices on weekends or anything. So these guys disperse every weekend and you never knew where Johnny was going to turn up. Right. And it all usually turned up on an inflatable swan or in a bathroom with a rolled up dollar bill, whatever it was. Yep. And I, you know, look, Baker had the incident with the police, you know, before his last college season, but that's really about it as yeah. far as off field stuff is concerned. You don't have to worry about Baker Mayfield off the field. At least doesn't seem like that. And it seems like he's going to come in and he's going to put the work in. And if he sees Tyrod Taylor doing it, you know Baker's going to do it. Absolutely 100%. And I do think that that is a major difference, major difference between Baker and Johnny Manziel. He's got the work ethic. He is willing to do whatever it takes. And he hasn't gotten as far as he has without doing that. I mean, he had to be cerebral. He had to know the offense. He had to know uh, what was coming and, and how to you know, call the plays and different things like that and, and ID defenses and all of those sorts of things. So I 100% think uh, that, that he is. That's another reason he's going to blow these guys away, and it's going to be hard to keep him on the bench. And he also plays from the pocket. Yeah. Now, again, 
that's where the height is a concern. And I know people hate to hear that. They don't want to hear about the height issue, but it's an issue until it's not, right? Right. Okay. So, but we have seen in college, he can play from the pocket. He can go through progressions. He can read. It's not just magic with this guy. In fact, I mean, he's not as athletic as Johnny was. He's certainly not Russell Wilson. Right. Um, if he's going to succeed, he's got to be more like a Drew Brees type where he wins from the pocket, makes accurate throws, and he wins with his head. Yeah, and I think that's where they're going with this. I think they're sort of thinking, you know, Drew Brees, quick release, uh, shorter passing game, and, you know, just really using your smarts, your football acumen. And then now the the thing that I think uh, will be interesting to watch, one of the things in training camp will be uh, when he starts to scramble around a little bit, how is his speed going to hold up against – you know, the faster guys that he's going to see, you know, the Miles Garrett, Jamie Collins, and Chad Thomas, and these kind of guys, Uh, you know, how is that going to hold up when he starts to try to run around? Um, Like you said, he's not Russell Wilson, who ran a 4.5 in the 40. Uh, He runs a 4.8, Baker does, in the 40. So that's a significant difference. Um, And so we'll we'll have to see, uh, you know, does that neutralize some of what he can do from a mobility standpoint? Yeah, so it's, you know, and it's interesting because him and Tyrod, even though they're built the same, are really completely different quarterbacks. Right. You know, Tyrod Taylor, yeah, he can sit in the pocket and make some plays, but he's always at his best, kind of Russell Wilson style. Right. Always at, he's at his best when he's breaking the pocket. He keeps his eyes down the field, you hope. I mean, that's sort of when he's at his best, whereas Baker is going to be at his best when he's kind of playing a more traditional style of quarterback. Yeah, and can he do that? You know, will he be able to do that uh, when he mixes in playing it under center and when the pocket closes way, way faster than what he experienced in college? So here's the other question with, with Baker. Is there any way that he opens the season as your number three quarterback? You know, I, I don't think so, and here's one of the reasons why. Because if they are going to get this young man ready to play NFL football, he's got to get reps. And you cannot really have him being number three. Drew Stanton does not need the reps. (laughs) It's Baker Mayfield that needs reps. So he's going to have to run the scout team and then get whatever scraps he can get left over from Tyrod Taylor. But he needs to be out there throwing the football, seeing a real defense, and getting as many chances as possible. How, How much would you work him with the ones? come training camp because they're they're trying to win games this year so obviously it's going to be important to get Tyrod Taylor as many reps with the first team as possible but we've we saw Hugh Jackson mix Deshaun Kaiser in with the ones on occasion last year it was usually against the second or third team defense but we saw him mix that in a little I mean how much time do you commit to that during training camp well training camp is almost the only time you can do it Uh, so he's going to have to do it some because once you get to the regular season all that's got to go to Tyrod, right? And the rookie, you know, just has to take whatever he can get, which is probably going to be scout team in this case. Uh, so training camp is the time to do it, and you have to give him some. You have to give him an opportunity to throw to Jarvis Landry and Corey Coleman and Josh Gordon and those guys. And plus you want to see, you know, what he's going to look like with those guys too. Um, but the thing to watch in training camp is, just exactly how many of those reps is he getting? Because yeah. if you're seeing Tyrod Taylor stepping up there first and taking the first team reps, then you're seeing Drew Stanton come in next and starts working against the second team, and then they bring Baker Mayfield, and this is what happened last year with Deshaun Kaiser. You know, he was coming in third, but working with the first team offense. Yeah. And that was the first tip-off that, hmm, 
they are getting him ready to play some football here. Uh, so I think that is one thing to watch, how, how they play that out in camp. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is it's Hugh Jackson has talked about it. This He's been asked about it multiple times. Knowing who your starter is right now is a really good thing. Right. Because you're, you're not going to have a, a true competition, right? We're going to talk about it and we're going to watch for signs here and there. But you're going to come in with Tyrod Taylor as your number one. And that's going to help this team in the long run. Because, again, they want to win this year. They don't want to just win three games or four games or whatever you think the reality might be. They want to win eight games. They want to make that Kansas City style leap when John Dorsey took over with the Chiefs. That's the kind of leap they want to make from zero. That's why they signed all these veterans on top of these draft picks. Absolutely. And, you know, I think uh, as we walked away from rookie minicamp, one of the takeaways that I had was, I mean, Hugh Jackson tried to emphasize Tyrod Taylor is the starter and that is not going to change. So, you know, we asked Baker Mayfield about that on the the last day that we had him, the second day of rookie minicamp. And, uh, and he said, you know, I'll listen to him. I, you know, I hear what he's saying, but I'm still going to try to go out and win that job. And during the pre-draft process, I talked to another head coach of an NFL team, and he's and and they loved Baker Mayfield, mm-hmm. and they said, but we know that if we would have drafted Baker Mayfield, not that they wouldn't have because of this, we know that if if he would have, uh, if we would have drafted him, he would have come in and won our starting job. And they have an they have a pretty established veteran, <laughs> and so. Uh, you know, we're going to have to really keep an eye on this because he is going to give Tyrod a run for his money. Well, that's what you want. I mean, I, I want Baker Mayfield to come in. Right. Especially because that's part of why you drafted him. Right. right? You didn't just draft him because of the numbers and because of what to, what you watched on tape. You drafted him because of that attitude, because of that chip on his shoulder, uh, because of that walk-on mentality, right? Yep. So that's what you want to hear. You want to hear him say, okay, yeah, I get it. You've said Tyrod's the starter, but... Guess what? I'm gonna I'm gonna change your mind. That's what I want Baker Mayfield to come into every single practice, thinking when he's in the film room, whatever he's doing, when he's sitting around at home after practice and after the day's over. I want him to think like that. That will make him better. It'll probably make Tyrod better too. Well, the the thing to think about too, Dan, is uh, this is not going to be easy for Tyrod in any way, shape, or form. Because when you look at the early part of the schedule and you see how hard it is, uh, you know, they're starting out with the Steelers and then the Saints. They have a combined record of 24 and 8. And you'll be facing two future Hall of Fame quarterbacks in Ben Roethlisberger and Drew Brees. So you're looking at a very, very difficult schedule. And you know what's going to happen uh, that by the second week, if they're 0 and 2, people are going to be saying, well, why not just see, hey, if you're going to be losing, why not see what your number one overall pick can do, right? So I think the pressure is going to start very, very early on. That next game is the Thursday night game against the New York Jets. Uh, that'll be very interesting because that, you know, who knows? People might want to say, well, let's see Sam Darnold against Baker yeah. Mayfield. Uh, you know, so, so there's a lot, a lot, lot going on here. Um, and it, it's going to be a lot of theater. Yeah, and the, the good thing is because you've made this investment in Baker, because you made him your number one pick, it, it's not quite similar to like when you picked a guy at 22 or picked a guy in the middle of the second round, and you did have to see what you had. The minute you picked Baker Mayfield number one, you said, this is my quarterback of the future, whenever that future comes, right? Yeah. So you don't necessarily have to go into it with this attitude, well, you know, we got to see what Baker can do because we might end up drafting another quarterback next year. 
That's not going to happen. You have your quarterback of the future. Now, if he fails, maybe three or four years from now, you're drafting a quarterback again. But you know this guy is going to be your starter at the latest by week one next year. So at least they can fight that a little bit. Yeah, and you even on that Building the Browns show that the Browns produced, uh, you even heard uh, Hugh Jackson saying to Baker Mayfield, you know, you're the future of this franchise. My question to you, Dan, is after talking to Baker over the weekend like we did and after watching him over the weekend and seeing him through the pre-draft process and on draft weekend and all of that, what do you think he's going to be capable of in the NFL? What do you, what do you see there? Boy, I think he's got a chance to be good. You know, I don't think he's – I know people love to throw out the Drew Brees thing, and I even said it earlier. I don't think he's going to be Drew Brees, but that's not a bit – I mean, Drew Brees is a generational type of talent. Every now and again, I'll watch his games from Oklahoma, and the name that pops in my head is Jeff Garcia. Mm-hmm. And I know Browns fans hear that name, and they kind of – they don't love it because mm-hmm. of the year he was here, but he was really good in San Francisco for a while. Right. So if he can settle in maybe above that level a little bit, I mean, I think he's got a chance to be a very good starting quarterback in this league. I think you'll be able to win with Baker Mayfield. Yeah, and you know, um, if you think of the schemes that Jeff Garcia excelled in, it was the traditional West Coast scheme. And now, of course, we're seeing that traditional rhythm passing game coupled with, you know, the, the college stuff that's trickling up into the NFL, the RPOs and those kinds of things. So I think if you put Baker in that type of a system, which I'm yeah. sure they will, uh, and not have him under center all the time. And, uh, you know, I, I think he does have a chance based on the fact that I think he does a couple of things in an extraordinary way. And that is, I think his release is very quick. I think his arm is very strong. I think his accuracy is laser sharp. And I think he does have a very bright, bright football mind. Yeah, I think there's things he does better. Like I said, I throw out the name Jeff Garcia. I think there's things where he's just better, right? I think, right. you know, Garcia was, again, more of a scrambler, more of a make plays on the run guy. I, I think Baker has a better arm than Garcia. I don't remember how strong Jeff Garcia's arm is, but I think Baker's is probably stronger than Jeff yeah, Garcia's arm. Yeah, he's got arm. a nice arm. Uh, it's just every now and again I'll watch him play and I'll kind of think, huh, that kind of reminds me a little, a little bit of him. And they're about the same size too. Yeah, the interesting thing is that Todd Haley is not really used to working with a quarterback of this size. You have to remember, he's losing five inches from Ben Roethlisberger <laughs> uh, down to Baker Mayfield. So yeah. that's going to be interesting because he's used to a guy that you cannot drag down. Okay, And when you get him down, he pops back up. (laughs) He can get away. He's elusive. He can shake you off. And uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how Todd Haley makes the adjustment from a big guy like that to Baker Mayfield. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's my only real question is how what happens when Baker kind of turns around in the pocket and Terrell Suggs is right in his face. Like what happens in that moment? What happens after that moment? Can he stand in there and withstand hit after hit after hit? Yeah, that's what you have to do in the NFL. That's why people tend to like bigger quarterbacks. But listen, you know, again, Russell Wilson has taken a bunch of hits. Drew Brees has taken a bunch of hits. So you can survive. It's just a matter of, you know, I kind of want to see how he responds when that pocket starts collapsing. And now this these NFL pass rushers are coming at you, and he gets to face some of the best of the best this year. Well, you know, just in terms of just physical stature, you know, he just looks, uh, you know, more stout than Johnny yeah. did. Johnny almost looked like, I mean, his torso was so small. I mean, it looked like you could break him in half, and, and I think if he had played a lot of NFL football, somebody would have broken him in half. <laughs> um, but, you know, Baker... Maybe his teammates would have broken him in half <laughs> exactly. Or we would have. Um, but... You know, Baker is, 
he, he is. He's just more sturdy than Johnny was. So I think that will help him. But like you said, and, and the other good thing is the Browns have a pretty good offensive line. Yeah. And, and I think that will help a lot. I mean, they will be able to protect him, and they will also run the football. Yeah. Well, listen, I mean, every time you bring up Carson Wentz and the Browns should have taken him, the people that don't agree with that say, well, they weren't built for a rookie quarterback. They weren't built for a guy to get – well, listen, if, if you believe that, they are built for that now. Yeah, I mean, they. I I don't agree with that that sentiment necessarily, but um, that that's why I just I'm not ready to rule out the fact that Baker Mayfield could win this job. Well, I'm, I'm I, really, I'm not I mean, I, I'm not predicting it, but I'm not yeah. really ready to rule it out. Yeah, no, I I hear what you're saying, and I think there are a lot of people that are right along with you in that. I I still feel like you know Hugh Jackson has been traumatized by the last two years of. <laughs> trying to uh, play with a rookie where he did not have the supporting cast around him. Like you said, I mean, there is more of a supporting cast around Baker Mayfield, and he's got way more experience than Deshaun Kaiser did. So all of these things are going to start seeping into Todd Haley's head and Hugh Jackson's head when they start to make the decision. And once again, when you're starting out against the Steelers, now that's another thing. Do you want him to start out against the Steelers? Do you, Baker Mayfield, do you want him to start out against the Saints and maybe have his confidence shaken? Or do you want Ty- Tyrod Taylor uh, to take the hit on those two? Do you really believe Baker's confidence can be shaken? <laughs> I don't, the one impression I have is I just don't know that anything is going to shake this guy. Oh, I don't know about that. This is the NFL now, That's Dan. That's true. That is true. All right. Well, that will do it for uh, this edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll talk to you again later.